you. I was going to ask, um, is Martine's still open? Got some dance moves from the days. Um, what I really remember about Martine's actually was, I was I was head girl at school, um, and yeah. So, <laughs> do you know, I don't even remember that I was the boss of the CU, which is really random, isn't it? But I was head girl at school, and people's parents used to phone up my mum to ask if I was going because if I was going, their children were allowed to go. I've always, like, you know, it's quite a weight of responsibility. Anyway, if we could have the slides up, that would be um, great. I'd also like to tell you some things about Gary whilst we're... Um, uh, um, he was always a little bit on the edgy, you know, which is good. Um, does anyone know what this... Hey! Who said that? Hey! Are you there? Were you there? When? I thought it was a girls' grammar school at that point. It's Harriet Costello School. Oh, it's now called Costello. Yeah, this is where I was head girl. Thank you. I had a badge and a blazer. Um, and uh, yeah, so we could reminisce about Basingstoke for the whole time. But I grew up in Old Basing. Anyone here from Old Basing? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Whereabouts? Place. Cavalier Road. Yeah. Um, not anymore. I live in South London now, of course. Uh, South London. So anyway, this was, I don't know if it still is, probably not. This was the school badge. Uh, I wore it. I had a special lapel pin that I had to... There was a song, evidently, but we never sang it. In fact, it never got mentioned. Steadfast and Glad was what we were meant to be, but it simply uh, never got mentioned, which is really interesting because there's some stuff that Jesus said and taught that often gets forgotten or doesn't get mentioned. Um, it gets passed over, a bit like that steadfast and glad business when I was at school, which is interesting because the stuff that gets passed over, I think, is the most compelling, revolutionary, interesting, fascinating invitation to a way of life that you could ever imagine. But first... <laughs> and I've heard you're a bit of an OCD freak, so, so you're going to love this, Gary. Um, <laughs> stop sweating. So some of you may know this, but uh, rabbis were ancient teachers. No, I don't mean they were ancient. I mean way back in time, about two, two and a half thousand years ago, um, there were rabbis, there still are now, but rabbis used to walk along dusty pathways, and they would be followed by their students, their apprentices, if you like. Their, you might call them disciples. They would be followed by their students. There'd be a horde of them. And their job, the thing that they most wanted to do, was to get as close as they could to their rabbi. Literally as close as they possibly could. And the reason was this. It wasn't simply about what the rabbi knew. 
It was about who the rabbi was. It was everything about the rabbi's life, the way that the rabbi lived, the way that the rabbi spoke, the way the rabbi treated the people that he came into contact with. It was the way he treated people. It was the way that he sat down to have a meal. It was the way he spoke to the person who served him. And literally, these apprentices would seek to get as close as they could. And they even had a phrase, which was simply this, don't panic, Gary, don't panic. It was, be dusty. (laughs) Be dusty. Be dusty with the dust of your rabbi. Because the dustier they were, the dustier they were, the closer to their rabbi it meant that they were being. They would seek to get as close as they could to the one who knew the way to do life well. And they would get dusty with the dust of their rabbi because they didn't have pavements and they didn't have concrete and the dust would simply flick up off of the rabbi's shoes and it meant that they were near to their rabbi. So it wasn't just about what did the rabbi believe, it was about who the rabbi was. Their life was their sermon. Which begs a question, right, for us. How dusty are we? What's the nature of our dust? What, it, what is it that others are learning from us about the way of Christ? What are we learning from one another? What are you learning from the people you're sat with tonight? about what the way of Christ is. So Jesus was a rabbi, obviously, um, and he had followers. We know that because he called some of them, right? He called, you remember them? They were fishermen. And why, why were they called? Why? See, these guys, the fishermen, were the ones that the other rabbis had rejected. The reason they were fishing was because they'd flunked school. Anyone here ever flunked school? Great. See, you were the kind of people that Jesus was into. The ones that Jesus chose were the ones that the other rabbis had rejected because they weren't smart enough, they didn't get it enough, they weren't dusty enough. So Jesus picks those people. Jesus always opts for the outcasts, right? The ones that everyone else rejects. And there's this moment in uh, Matthew's Gospel where Jesus is surrounded by not just his closest followers, but there's like literally thousands of people around him. The Sermon on the Mount, we call it. And it's in Matthew chapter 5, and it goes through to chapter 7. And Jesus delivers this amazing sermon, talk, set of wisdom, whatever you want to call it. I can't imagine how long it went on for. And he delivers this amazing set of wisdom about a way of doing life 
which is an absolute revolution. In fact, it's a great reversal. It's a great reversal. Everything is upside down. Everything that Jesus says and talks about is the opposite to the way we want it to be. Jesus delivers a talk, a set of wisdom, which is all about things not being the way that we kind of tend to choose things to be. It's upside down. The out are in and the first are last. Challenge for you, little quiz question. Keep you sharp on a Sunday night. There's no prize. I meant to buy chocolate, but completely forgot. There's this thing called elastic thinking. Some of you may have heard of this. It was created by someone who's a script writer for Star Wars. And I can't pronounce his name, but I heard him do a, do a talk. And fascinating. But this next little quiz. Look, you're really excited now, Gary. You're like, yeah. There's no chocolates. Um, what's the link between these three things? Oh, my word! You are a genius. No one has ever got it that quickly. Did everyone hear? Yeah, Apple. Apple. Give the man a round of applause. There's a genius in our It's literally elastic think. It's called elastic thinking. It's because you think with a different part of your brain to the obvious. Some of you are like crab, Christmas tree, saucy something. I don't know. Like we can't get there. Elastic thinking is a different kind of thinking. And I want to suggest to you that what Jesus starts to talk about in this Sermon of the Mount is this. He's telling us that a different kind of thinking is required for a different kind of living. A different kind of thinking. I don't know about you, but I um, used to really struggle with disruption. You know, like someone will say something to me and I'm like, well, that's clearly not true. Or they're an idiot. Or, do you know, I'd have that kind of reaction. I would feel it inside. We struggle with disruption. But I just want you to think, just for a moment, of a time in your life where something challenging has happened. Something that's maybe been a bit tricky. Uh, Some of you uh, may know, if you were at QMC, you may have even met my mum. My mum was the librarian, but uh, lost my mum to cancer when I was 25, 26. Really disruptive. Really, really disruptive. But I tell you this. When things like that happen, afterwards, you're like, so that's why every day is so precious. And that's why there is this joy in every moment that you can have. Suddenly, your perspective is shifted because this disruption has happened and it is painful and it hurts, but you realize actually there's some growth. Somehow, somehow, there's some grace and some growth that comes out of it and you see differently. You have wisdom out of it. So often we want to deflect things, but actually it's a chance to reflect 
to realize and then choose to do things differently. Act in a different way. When those difficult things happen, you hold tight. What's the goodness in here? What's the learning in here? And in this Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is so disruptive with people. Jesus is so disruptive. He doesn't tell them what they want to hear. He tells them stuff that shifts their thinking to a new way of thinking. Some of you will be familiar with this, I'm I'm sure, that uh, there was an ancient way of teaching which which was called stringing pearls. It's a rabbinic uh, method of teaching where basically a rabbi would say, you have heard it said, so they would take something really familiar to people and they'd say, you have heard it said, an eye for an eye, but I say to you. And then they would change what was expected. They would bring something new, something challenging, something disruptive to shift people into a new space. And in this sermon, the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus goes through it the whole time. You have heard it said, but I say to you. You have heard it said, but I say to you. Jesus takes what is familiar and disrupts it, and our reaction so often is one of fear. Oh, I can't go, I can't, that can't possibly be true. So let's jump into what it is that Jesus said, some of the things, because this is the revolution and this is the invitation. Remember, Jesus described himself as the way, the truth, and the life. It was a way, Jesus is the way, the things that Jesus taught are the way that we are to live. Remember I said right at the start, this is some stuff that we often run over because it is disruptive, some of this stuff. It's blooming hard work, that's why. (laughs) Let's be honest. So some of the things he talks about, be reconciled, don't resist an evil person, uh, love your enemy, turn the other cheek. Anyone else like doing that? Uh, Go the extra mile. What, really? Do I have to? Pray for those who wish you harm. This is tough stuff. This is disruptive stuff. But this is the way of the rabbi, Jesus. So Jesus does this. You have heard it said... Uh, but I say to you, you have heard it said, but I say to you, don't murder. Oh yeah, no, we can accept that. You have heard it said, don't murder. Yeah, no, I'm with you. I know that's wrong. And then Jesus throws in, but I say to you, any one of you who is angry with anyone else, (gasps) been angry this day, (laughs) this last three hours, On the way here, you've heard it said, don't murder, but I say to you, don't even be angry. This is tough, disruptive stuff. In fact, Jesus says, be reconciled. You have heard it said, an eye for an eye, but I say to you, don't resist an evil person. What? What, just take it? 
Actually, what Jesus was saying to people was, your job, if you follow my way, is to take violence, not out, take violence out of circulation, not perpetuate it by keeping it in circulation. Oh God, how we need that. Reject revenge. You know those grudges and that desire to get our own back. Or even the things we say and think about people we've never met that we see on the news. Well, they deserved it. You feel it. It's disruptive, isn't it? Jesus says, don't take revenge. In fact, what he says is all to do with social relationships. There was massive inequality at the time, wasn't there? Like the Romans were lording it over people. Religious leaders were lording it over the uh, non-kind of um, people who had religious offices um, in the Jewish system. Relationships were really hierarchical. And so Jesus says, when someone hits you, on the cheek, turn the other cheek. It's like quite a strange, oh yeah, just offer the other one. But actually, when you understand what the context was, by offering the other cheek, you were actually saying to the person, because they could only hit you one way. They could only hit you with an open hand. They couldn't backslap you. That was against the rules. So if you offered them the other cheek, there was no way for them to do it. You are upsetting the status quo. You were taking violence out of circulation. And then you know when they say, uh, when, if you've got two garments and someone like, you know, give it so that you walk around in your underwear? Can you see, like, it's disruptive, isn't it? It's like, ha. Huh. And then the next bit, where, where, where um, if, if a Roman asks you to go one mile, go two. Well, that was against, if, if a Roman soldier was seen for you to make you go an extra mile, they would be punished. So offering to go two was like, <laughs> what are we going to do? Really, what Jesus is doing all the way through is talking about kinship. He's saying we belong to one another, and that's what's at the heart of this. So you know when you see the headlines about refugees, and you see the headlines about asylum seekers, and you see what people want to do with those who are outcasts. The question for us is always, be dusty with the dust of your rabbi. Be dusty with the dust of your rabbi. I have a tattoo. Thank you. I'm so cool. Uh, on my uh, foot, there it is. Uh, it's a, a Hebraic word, teshlin, uh, which means image bearer. Image bearer. I have it because it's one of the ethos values at uh, Oasis. It's the foundation of one of our ethos values. And <laughs> as the director of ethos, I thought I should, you know put my money where my mouth is and get a tattoo. I haven't got any others because it hurt. Um, <laughs> but why, why am I putting this up? 
because this is the essence of kinship. As you look around at one another, as, you look, as soon as you leave here, the next person you see, they're a divine image bearer. The person that you wish ill on tomorrow, <laughs> they're a divine image bearer. This comes up in that, that um, poem, the story that the Hebraic people told one another about the beginning of, of uh, time for them. The reason they told that, you know, in Genesis, and you may disagree with this, but it's a poem. The reason it's written as it is, is because they were writing it whilst they were in Babylon. They were enslaved. They were in exile. They weren't where they wanted to be, and they were surrounded by stories. Stories of the way that people had come into being. And they'd come into being through violence of the gods literally fighting and ripping themselves apart and spewing up human beings. And the Hebraic people are like, but there's another story. There was stars and there was space and there was light and there was color and it was good, and it was good, and there were animals, and it was good, and you can feel it, just read it, feel the rhythm of it, and then it gets to the end, and what does it say? In the image of God, they were created, and it was very good. Teshlim. So when you see that next person the one that gets your goat, the one that really winds you up, the one at school, at college, at work, at home, your husband, your wife, your kids, politician on the telly, Teshlim. Be dusty with the dust of your rabbi. You have heard it said, but I say to you, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemy and pray for those who wish you harm. This is tough stuff, right? It's tough stuff. Um, often what happens in churches um, is that, I'm going to share some theological words with you, uh, is that people uh, begin with how they think church should be. They begin with their what's ecclesiology, you know, ecclesial. Some of you may, may get your insurance from ecclesiastical insurance. That word is just church. And what happens often is people begin with a notion of this is what church should be like. And then they shape their mission, what they do, in order to fill what they think church would be like. And then you end up explaining what Jesus is like at the end of it based on those things. Jesus is coming at the end of stuff, not at the beginning of stuff. Jesus the rabbi, though, begin at the beginning. Begin with your Christology. What is it we believe about who this Jesus is? The things that Jesus said, the things that Jesus did, the way that he taught us to be. And then you shape your mission around that. And what do you end up with? A zoo. That's basically how it should look. 
You get involved in everything and anything because you realize that this rabbi taught about a particular way of being human in the world that was transformative and transformational. Oasis, um, some of you will know, it's headed up by Steve Chalk. We've been around since 1985. I've been there, as I said, 26 years. Um, and it's grown massively since Paul was there, probably because of you that it's grown. Thank you. Um, we run lots of secondary schools. Basically, we, we do community transformation. We imagine a community where everything is as it should be. Shalom, wellness, wholeness, nothing missing. Everything in its right place. Spiritually, emotionally, mentally, physically, educationally in every way you can imagine at every layer of a person's life and the life of a community. So if you were to come to Oasis Waterloo, which is where I um, spend my Sundays normally, it's where Kate used to be, who's here, um, I could show you the church, I could show you two Oasis academies, I could show you the Oasis farm, show you the oasis play space the community space the coffee shop i could show you the community hub i could like i could just show why are we doing all this stuff because we have this vision of there's this rabbi who said there's a way to be human in the world and it looks a particular way and you may have clocked <laughs> that we're just about to open the first ever secure school yeah, which is big. <laughs> we had to get royal assent for the law to change uh, in the Queen's last speech. Um, there's articles in The Guardian about all of this and everything. But uh, it's called uh, Oasis Restore. It's the original Borstal. It was one run by G4S. Um, you can see what happened when the panorama expose was see uh, seen um, of what they were up to. So we're opening this, I think, at the start of the new year. First ever secure school. And you begin with your Christology. You don't have guards. Uh, you've heard it said, guards, but I say to you, mentors. You've heard it said, wings but I say to you, homes. You've heard it said, punish them. But I say to you, what about restoration? You've heard it said, people are so bad, there is no hope. But I say to you, what if you just take the time to ask a person What's happened to you? What's happened to you? The rabbi, the dust of the rabbi, we carry it into the everydayness of everything that we do. It's the removal of othering, it's the creation of kinship, it's the removal as well of that Cain and Abel dynamic. You know the one where it says, what me, my brother's keeper, Pooh. 
Father Gregory Boyle, who, if you haven't come across him, I just just read everything and everything that he says on YouTube, and it's brilliant. He runs something called Homeboy Industries. It's the biggest reintegration program for um, ex-prisoners, uh, gang members, anywhere in the world. Uh, absolutely fantastic. But this quote is everything. No daylight to separate us, only kinship. Inching ourselves closer to creating a community of kinship such that God might recognize it. And soon we imagine with God this circle of compassion. Then we imagine no one standing outside of that circle, moving ourselves closer to the margins so that the margins themselves will be erased. We stand there with those whose dignity has been denied. We locate ourselves with the poor and the powerless and the voiceless. At the edges, we join with the easily despised and the readily left out. We stand with the demonized so that the demonizing will stop. We situate ourselves right next to the disposable so that the day will come when we stop throwing people away. Be dusty the dust of your rabbi. And near the end of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus gets to the Lord's Prayer. Um, and I don't know if you've ever noticed, but there's something missing. He seems to have forgotten something. <laughs> like, if you... Has anyone got a Bible on them? Oh, on the phone. Oh, you're all modern here in Basingstoke. Um, it's uh, Matthew chapter... Seven, I think. Six or seven. Yeah, six. If anyone can wants to read out just the bit where it's when you pray, pray our Father. Go for it, someone. Wow. Very good. Very good. Something missing. Have a look at the text. I don't know how familiar you are with the Lord's Prayer. Depends what kind of church you grew up in, I guess. There's a bit missing, right? There's the bit at the end. Uh, that was added. It's not, it's not there. It's not according to Matthew. It's, it wasn't what Jesus said. It was added. For yours is the kingdom, the power and glory forever and ever. Amen. It was added because it was a statement of intent. At that time, if you said those words, you were declaring your allegiance to someone other than the Roman emperor. So for the followers of this rabbi to say, for yours is the kingdom, the power and the glory, was a way of saying, hey, this is my death warrant and I'm going to sign it myself. Be dusty, 
with the dust of your rabble. It's really easy right now to get drawn into all sorts of weirdnesses that are going on. Be dusty with the dust of your rabbi, the one that said, turn the other cheek, be reconciled. Pray for those who you struggle with. Forgive. Go the extra mile. Be dusty with the dust of your rabbi. And then, don't worry, I'm going to finish any minute. Just checking if he's getting angry with me. Um, you're not allowed to be angry, by the way, because mm. Jesus said. Uh, <laughs> there's this bit that you'll be familiar with where um, Paul in Galatians talks about what sometimes gets called the fruit of the Spirit. Are you familiar with that? Yeah. Um, and Paul was writing at a time where the thinking of Aristotle, you know, the great philosopher Aristotle, um, was very evident in society. In fact, today, Aristotelian thinking still around a lot. And Aristotle talked about nine virtues. Nine virtues, ways of being human. Uh, the greatest student of Aristotle was, anyone know? Genius? No, not got that one. Not Plato. Alexander the Great. What do we know about Alexander the Great? He massacred his way across the known world, which tells you everything you need to know about that teaching. You've seen Greek statues, the mighty godlike creatures, the virtues. Be strong. Be powerful. Be number one. Be the best that you can be. Have the fanciest, greatest number of Insta followers. Be the mighty leader. Can you see it anywhere today? And Paul writes and identifies nine fruit. He's writing in contrast and he says, there's a different way to be human. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, tenderness, faithfulness, and self-control. And in that invitation, and in the invitation of the Sermon on the Mount, is this massive, massive dethronement of self. Into kinship. Just uh, yesterday, today, um, has been this incredible festival uh, going on in the Orthodox Church. You know that they celebrate Easter today. And there's this festival called the Festival of Holy Fire. Um, and it's amazing. It's absolutely incredible. There's this moment where the, the big archbishop <laughs> comes out of what's like a tomb with a candle. It's a miracle. There's a candle. And it's meant to signify kind of the resurrection. And what he does is he then lights, uh, like people are all holding like these torch-like candle things, and he lights 
the first person and then they pass it on and then they pass it on and then they pass it on until what you see is this holy fire. There's like the, the light of the resurrection has been passed on. The light of the resurrection. Living every day with the dust of the rabbi in the light of the resurrection. So how dusty are you? How dusty are you? Be dusty with the dust of your rabbi. The one who invites us to be reconciled, to forgive our enemies, to go the extra mile, to live the way of love and joy and peace and patience, even when people cut you up, and kindness and goodness and tenderness, not harshness, and faithfulness, and self-control. Let's pray. God, um, do you know, it's really hard sometimes, God, that the teaching of Jesus is so disruptive. You know, if we're, if we're really honest, it's easy to just jump over this stuff. Like to ignore the power of the great reversal of what you taught in the Sermon on the Mount. To put ourselves first to not be reconciled, to stay angry, to hold grudges, to seek revenge, to wish ill on people, to not pursue tenderness, to not love wisdom. God, it's so easy to prefer to not follow the way of Jesus. But tonight, God, um, I just pray for all of us, um, and especially some of us, uh, where we just, we need to take that kind of uh, fresh look again at our walk with you. To get close to you and to seek to follow your way. And to live our lives as an um, expression of um, your love, your grace, your goodness, your tenderness in the world. Holy Spirit, would you help us, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen.